The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Hey, open your Bibles up to 1 Peter 2 9. 1 Peter 2 9. We've been turning there for the last couple of weeks. 1 Peter 2 9. You know, speaking of running, running, you know, run to win, I did some running this last week. It was impromptu. I ran on Tuesday morning. Are you guys proud of me? I, I, did. I, I did. Of course, most of you know I don't typically run very much because of the swelling on my knee and it, uh, from my injury, but it's getting better. But, but I ran on Tuesday morning for a good reason. You see, I was, I was out of town. I was on the study retreat, and I was in my tent. And see, when I'm, when I, I mean, when I'm in my tent, uh, I, you know, I, I like to go and study, and I kind of just live there for a few days. And, and uh when I do this, I sleep weird hours, and I wake up at weird times, and, and like, I woke up at 3 a.m., and I was hungry. I was just like, I'm, I'm starving. I realized I hadn't eaten in a long time, and I thought, well, I just want me some food. I don't want snacks. I, I want food, and I'm like, well, I can grill some food, but you know, that's going to be kind of weird just getting out there grilling something, starting up the big fire at 3 a.m., so I thought, I'm just going to get in my car, so I jumped in my car, and I left the campgrounds in search of food, and, and I found Waffle House. You yeah, know Waffle House. Don't you love Waffle House? Waffle House is this most amazing, unhealthy, fun place to eat where you just you have a cross-cultural experience no matter when. It's just it's just like wow, this is, it, it's 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 really fun. I loved it. But after filling up my stomach, my my weariness started to uh, to immediately return. So I I drove back to the campgrounds, got there back there about four o'clock, and 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 I, I stopped at the front gate only to then remember that the gate is locked until six a.m. So I either wait there for two hours or or park my car and walk the mile back to my campsite. So I thought, well, pff, park and hike. You know, that's it. That's I'm I'm outdoors, no biggie. So I I stopped. I I did that. Parked the car, hiked on back. Well, I'm back in the tent, sleeping about 6:30 a.m. I heard this pop 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 pop. And I thought, certainly that's not rain on the tent. It's not supposed to rain for 12 hours. I mean, I do watch the forecast when I camp, and I didn't have my rain fly on top of the tent and. I thought, no, and I laid there, and all of a sudden, drip, drip on my face. Okay, okay that's it, that's it. Now, let me tell you guys, I don't know whether you've been camping or not. Maybe you guys are just city folks, and you live in the little apartments and condos, and you're just so happy to have a roof over your head, but I like to camp. But if you've ever been camping before, and you've done a little bit of it, or even a lot of it, you have experienced the, the, the inundated tent with, with water. And, and, and I'll just tell you this, guys, there's nothing worse. I would not hear from God one thing if I had a rain-drenched tent. I wouldn't hear anything. I wouldn't have a sermon for months. I would just talk about ugh, you know, the Great Flood or something like that. And so I, you know, there, there's no time to look at my weather app. And, and, you know, in Texas, it can get bad really fast. So I sprang out and jumped out and, and uh, ready to go rushing out to my car to get my rain fly, the car. It's a mile away. And I thought, no way. Well, I'm going to tell you guys, I didn't stop to ponder. Well, let me pray about it. Let me think. I didn't even waste one second. I just like, whatever. So I started running. <laughs> I ran. I mean, the rain's hitting me and all this. And it's, you know, it's not like heavy rain, but, but I, I'm, I'm getting very, very damp. And I could feel a little bit of pressure on my knee. I didn't care. And it's like, but the thing is, I would not sleep in a wet tent for the next two days. No way. So I ran. And I was going to beat the rain. And, and, and I'm going to run to wind. I was like, yes, I'm wearing my 
run to win. I kind of, I'm thinking about it. I didn't touch or anything like that. But, 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 but I kept going, and I was going to get to that rain fly, and I finally got out there to my car. I, I got to it. I was so excited. And now I can drive back because it's after 6. I can drive back to put the rain fly on my camp, uh, my tent, and I put the key in the, in the ignition, and it goes click, 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 click. At this moment, I went, okay, no. Now, I'm telling you guys, one time a long time ago, that happened like on a Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, it was real cold, and my car went click, 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 and I said, and I, I don't know, if something rose up in me, I said, no way, I am going to church in Jesus' name, car start! I really did this, and I turned it over, and it just started, I went, whoa, that works. Now, that, God is my witness, that happened. Well, it didn't come over me to pray, I had no faith for prayer at that time, I, you know, I, it's like, that's only happened once in my life, and I don't know if God repeats those kind of, certain kinds of battery miracles or anything like that, so, so I, as I tried it again, it's like, well, no time to get a jump, no time to get upset, I just grabbed the rain fly out of the back, and so I was kind of running around, and I like this little parachute behind me, and, and I was running to win, and I got back to the tent, and I'm out there, and I'm putting it on, and the wind's, you know, a little bit of wind going, and I'm putting it over there, I'm getting dripped on, but it feels great. And, 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 and I, I get back inside, and, and I'm just, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I, I, you know, I'm so proud of myself because the downpour hadn't yet started. Because I knew, you know, it was in the forecast. It's arriving 12 hours earlier. I couldn't figure that out. Got in the tent and could hear, continue to hear the popping. I'm going, yes, but I'm dry, safe, secure. I've been a smashing success. And then no kidding, the Lord knows this story is true. 20 seconds later, there was no more dripping, no more popping. There was nothing. It was silence. So I thought, well, now's a good time to go ahead and open my weather radar app. And I opened it up, and, and it showed that there's this tiny little floating green cloud that kind of floated over us. You know the green ones, which means like it's nothing. <laughs> Just kind of floated over us and was gone. The storms weren't going to arrive still for another 10 to 12 hours. And so then I was just like, well, I am ready for tonight and that's that, that's it that's it and so i just lay there it's like well okay, i'm gonna keep stay optimistic i ran to win and and then, you know sometimes in life it's like that you 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 do the things you do the right things and you're going okay well that was fun i kind of exerted all that effort but 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 sometimes you know the, the truth is if i if, if you're not going to do anything if you're just going to lay around all the time and do nothing life will inundate you and and, uh, and that's really what i'm training you. I'm training us to, to simply do what the scripture said, to run to win. Because in life we do have this eternal prize, which is in heaven. It's real. It's just as real as you sitting here right now. And I want to maximize this life fully competent of who I am. So I'm not wandering around playing on the sidelines because we, you know, we all need to come to this place where we simply make the choice to find ourselves and then we lunge forward into our future and into our lives. And today, I'm dealing with this question, what is my calling? You know, continue to say, I'm wanting to find me, but today, what is my calling? So look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, because here we see, and this should be underlined and highlighted in your Bible by now, because here we see the foundation for it all. Peter says this, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And again today, I'm just going to say, this is the foundation of our identity, and, and you can go places with this. Uh, so for me, knowing this, I can spend a few days in my tent studying and reading and praying because even when I'm there, I'm running to win for this, my long-term race. 
not the race to get the rain fly. See, basically what I'm doing is I'm being the man God has wired me to be. For example, I can't do this, stand on this platform and minister in front of you unless I've been alone. And that's just part of my life. Uh, because really what I have to do is I, I have to mine out the treasures that God has for you so I can find the treasures and mine them and basically give them to you. But I'm, I'm confident, not arrogant, but I'm confident of my identity. And this thing of who I am shows up in my daily activities. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the way that I raise my family. It's how I pastor the church. It's the method I use to interact with people in the community. It's the strategy of even being alone so I can stand up here and do this. See, who I am is not found in what I do, like my job or my hobbies. And it's the same with you. Who you are is not your job. I've said this for the past couple weeks today. I'm going to say it again. Who you are will be manifested through how you do what you do. And who we are is, is really found in this way that we conduct ourselves and how we strategically move through our days, day in and day out. And it's built upon these foundations of these questions we've been asking, you know, such as who am I? And, and we're saying, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm a, I'm a royal. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a royal part of this family, and, and God is the King, and I'm also a priest who can go directly to God Himself. And, and even when you just know that, you can understand fatherlessness is not going to have an impact on your future or on your today. Another question that we ask is in this process of finding ourselves is what is my purpose? And we've talked about this that we're God's agent. You are God's agent in wherever. It could be in your company, in your city, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your family, but you are an agent of God. And, and really, this whole thing of, of what is my purpose, we, we ask this question, if you could do anything with no limits on it, what would you do? And your purpose is found somewhere in that answer. See, God has wired you like this to drive you into your purpose. It's already inside of you, and it may or may not have anything to do with your occupation. So that's what we have to kind of set aside. A few years ago, I began to uh, really slowly and carefully begin writing out the statements for my life. And, and, and I encourage you to do the same. And I, I continue to make just minor tweaks and adjustments and changes, but, but it's, it's really pretty solid by now. And, and th these statements for my life help me stay focused. And, and they simply remind me of who I am. And I really encourage you as we're going through this series, you begin writing this stuff out in a place where you're going to see it and come back to it over and over again. I want to read, to my, read you my statements again. Occasionally I do this, but I'm never going to provide it to you in a written form. Why? It's because I don't want you to copy my statements and say they're yours, because they're not. You, my, the way you are wired is not the way I'm wired, and because right now I am wired. Can't you tell? And you're going, whoa, whoa, I just love to sit and watch him uh, be, be full of energy. And, uh, I've had people say, I like going to church just to watch you, Pastor. You know, that, that's fun. It's energizing. Here, here's, 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 here's who I am. My motto is this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's Spirit does not make me timid. God's Spirit gives me power. God's Spirit gives me love. God's Spirit gives me self-discipline. My most significant decisions in life I, list life, I list them as this. I gave my life to Jesus. I, I married Rebecca. I decided to live a long life, Lord willing. I've decided to serve God and my community by being a pastor. I've decided to raise children who will perpetuate my legacy. My vision is this, it is blessing people by adding encouragement and joy and purpose to their lives. 
my marriage vision, which is important to me. It's loving and caring for and cherishing, cherishing one another until we're separated by death. My family vision is this. It's raising, training, and empowering and equipping my sons to be world changers. My church's vision is this, which is yours as well. It's making Jesus known. Who I am? Well, I have this statement. I'm a man of God committed to helping others. I live to use my unique giftings to bring love, joy, hope, and purpose into the lives of others. I'm committed to a life of integrity, serving as a good husband, good father, good pastor, and good leader. I strive to effectively lead by positively influencing other leaders for the advance of God's kingdom. Also, I know who I am. Here's who I am. And this is really, you see some of this in this series. I am chosen by God. I am a son of the king. I am one who walks with authority. God says to me, I will give you every place where you will set your foot. I know who I am. I am a priest. I can walk into the presence of God and talk with God face to face, bringing my requests to him. I know who I am. I am holy. I'm the property of God. I'm an instrument of God's praise, called out of darkness and into His light. My stand. What's my stand? I stand for God. I stand for my wife. I stand for leadership and influence. I stand for my family. I stand for my church. I stand for health. I stand for my city. And I stand for family provision. My values. Healthy living, passionate living, joyful living, authentic living, intentional living, courageous living, having fun, <laughs> decisive living, living financially wise. My purpose is this. I want my city to be a better place in the days to come, a better place to live, work, grow, and prepare for eternity. My calling is this. I am called by God to deliver the life, love, and power of Jesus to all who will hear that's what we're talking about today, calling. My one verb is this, it's focus. My one scripture is this, well done, good and faithful service. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. My words strategy is this, strategy, substance, and sincerity. My discipleship strategy is this, run to win, duh. <laughs> That was before we did the series, trust me. Run to win, strip down and untangle your feet. Now, when I read through this stuff, it is like just shooting adrenaline into my system and it really charges me up and it focuses you. And so I do challenge you to write out your statements because nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. Which brings me to my next question, which is the big question for today. What is my calling? And really my calling is wrapped up in these words. I am anointed to blank. You have to fill in the blank. But your calling is what you are anointed to do. I am anointed to. Now, listen to this. Your calling is an anointing. In other words, what it is, it's something that God has set you apart for. We sang about that a few minutes ago. I didn't know that was in the song. I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited singing those words. And God set us apart for something. It's something that God has empowered you to do. It's something that God wants to do through you, something you get to do. See, throughout the Bible, when a person was called and anointed, uh, they would usually go and tell God regarding a calling or anointing. They would say, hey, wait, wait, God, I'm underqualified. I don't know how this will work, or I'm not well-known enough, or I'm not, I'm not really good at that. But the truth is, is that you will always feel underqualified for your calling. Because you actually really know yourself. 
Others might say, oh, yeah, you can. Deep inside, you're going, uh-uh, I can't. See, you can't do it in your own strength and in your own power and in your own intellect. That's why God anoints you for your calling. And guys, this is good stuff. To, to, to be anointed by God, really tonight is a night for anointing as well. I'm going to pray for anointing. But to, to be anointed by God means you receive His Spirit, you receive His power, and you, 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 you become set apart to do something specific for God. Often you'll just stumble, really stumble into your calling. Oftentimes you may even have a dream or a vision from God about it. But the truth is, you don't have to chase your calling. Because it's, it's your anointing and it comes to you from God. And, and as you step into it with confidence, God just gives you more and more grace for it. See, I have my, what I call my primary calling. I have different callings in my life. I'm not going to talk about them all today. But I, I have my primary calling as well as some supportive callings. But as I stated earlier in my little statements about me, my primary calling is this. It is to deliver the life, the love, and the power of Jesus to anyone who will hear. That's my calling. Basically, you can sum it up in one word. It's to be a preacher. And for me, my calling came to me as a very young child at the age of three. I was sleeping in bed one night, and and, uh, I very clearly remember in a dream, I, I saw my body going through the ceiling, and immediately I was in heaven, and I was with Jesus, and I was sitting right on Jesus' lap, and he was holding me, and I, I remembered the details about it as if I dreamed it last night, and I'm totally serious with it. I can see the beauty of it. I remember sitting, sitting there in his arms, and he was holding me. I remember the peace that was over me. I wasn't afraid of anything. And at that moment, he didn't say anything to me, but at that moment, I felt he was saying, felt he was saying to me, I want you to preach for me. Give life, love, and power to anybody who's going to listen. It's the life, love, and power that's in me. I want you to give it to people. And then I remember right after that, I saw myself back in my bed. And I treasured it in my heart, kind of like in the scriptures. Some people have these encounters with God, and they don't talk about it. I didn't talk about it for almost, almost 20 years. But I thought about it constantly, and it drove me. It was my calling. It was a unique, mystical experience. And I thought everybody had those. I later on discovered that most people don't have experiences like that. And so I think, well, then, God, why do I have that experience? Because I, I, I do not believe there are people who are more special. I don't believe that at all. But I think God gave me that experience because he also designed me and put me together. And he knows that I am a very, very hard-headed person. Those who... Those in my family would definitely agree with that. And so what he needed to do is God needed to brand into my mind and my emotions this encounter and this experience at a very young age so that I wouldn't go off chasing some fleeting fantasy or passion and go in the wrong direction. So your calling doesn't have to be mystical. In fact, it very, very seldom is. Uh, Now, under my call to be a preacher, I also have supporting callings and one of those is a pastor that's how most of you see me and honestly i could never see myself pastoring uh, growing up especially i just didn't feel i had the right skills i, like, I saw pastors they counseled people and i like, you know I, if i tried to counsel people that could, that could be bad that could be really bad and and, and, uh, and i tried taking taking courses to learn how to do that and i thought oh no this is this is high stress for me i don't know but you have to understand that though that God 
empowers. God anoints. It's not my thing. Now, another thing under my, uh, under my um, main calling is another subordinate calling. And I want to explain this one to you because this is one, another one that's, that happens. That, and it's, it's more distinct. And I think I can talk to you about it so that you may understand how this subordinate callings or even your main calling can work in your life. Because I actually have a calling to influence culture through political leaders, uh, particularly mayors. I, I, I've never, I never asked God for that. I never did. I never had, I've never had an original passion for it, but I'm anointed for it. And 22 years ago, I stumbled into that anointing. I had a team in, uh, in, in Mexico. I asked my, a friend of mine in Mexico, a uh, missionary, I said, I want you to give me the hardest city in Mexico that, 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 that is a city hardened against the gospel. Give it to me. Give it to my prayer teams, and we're going to plant a church there. And he said, are you crazy? I said, yeah. So let's, let's go. And, and, and I'm hard-headed, so, so God takes the hard-headed me. And, and, and we're down there, and I take an intercessory and prayer team down there for uh, six of us. We went down there for, for five days, and it was on day four. And I was getting sick of this thing. I was like, man, I am hanging out with all these people that are seeing things and hearing things and want to do. It's like, I'm, I, don't, I didn't want to be with people anymore, honestly. I mean, I'm sorry. I just really didn't. They were just way too spiritual for me. And, and, and all, all, all I knew was that God had said, to this, said this to us, that I, was, I really felt this. One big thing from God. God is going to give us one person that will give us the city. Because nobody could plant a church there. They would drive Christians out of town. So we were there totally undercover, just Americans hanging out in that city of San Juan de los Lagos, Mexico. And, and then all of a sudden we identified the person through a mysterious set of circumstances and I found myself in the mayor's office. And, and that just set off a chain reaction. And within two years, we brought over 250 people to that community and even getting, gotten free usage of their municipal auditorium presenting the gospel. We planted a thriving church that's there today. And I'm grateful to God for that. But it came through my relationship with a mayor who didn't even speak my language. And coming back, I, I, I thought, well, I want to get other mayors involved. And so I told my senior pastor, I was, I was, a, I was just a staff pastor back there. You know, back, I, was, I was learning and getting my feet wet. And I told my senior pastor, hey, uh, we, we, what about getting other mayors involved? We, why don't you go talk to them? Because you're the big senior pastor. He goes, no, why don't you? I'm like, I don't talk to mayors. He goes, yeah, just, just start calling up the mayors and talk to them. So I called up the mayor of Cedar Hill where we were. And I said, hey, uh, Rob Frankie, and said, would you like to meet with me for breakfast? Well, sure. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I, I, I go and meet with the guy and, and talk to him about this, and I end up taking him to Mexico with me. We did a sister city project, and, and all of a sudden, this guy just comes unglued for the kingdom, and he's still, he is very, very, very outspoken in his faith, not just for him, but for the city. Sitting across the table from him at an event uh, just, just about four months ago. And we don't talk a lot. We really don't. I, I talk to him, honestly, about once every couple of years. And sitting across the table from Rob, and he was still the mayor, been the mayor now for 24 years or so. And um, Rob looked across the table to me and, and he stunned me with these words. He said, Tim, you changed my life. I said, what did I do to change your life? He said, you challenged me to do something out of the box for me. And you challenged our city to do something out of the box. And he, then he said this, he said, due to what you, because of what you did, he said, the city of Cedar Hill is different and we are set apart, and we are in this city, it is, it is written into our, our ways of doing things, that we are going to do things according to the scriptures, the word of God. We do things different because of the faith that was stirred up in me, because you had the guts to step into my life. I was just like, wow. 
that's an honor. I mean, I just, like, that's an honor. Later on, I was pastoring a church up in Missouri in, in 2003. It was a wedding reception, and, uh, and I was at this big wedding reception. There was about 250 people there. It was in, in one of our buildings, and, and, uh, and there's just, you know, tables were full. It was a big, it was a big event. It was, a, you know, some people in our church getting married that kind of, like, knew everybody in, in town, I guess. And I was, like, the last one to arrive at the, at the uh, reception, and, and, the, the, it, and I, I came into the reception because I would performed the ceremony. I was just, I was looking for a seat. Like, there were no seats in this, in this reception. I wanted to be there. I was like, well, I see a table way over there, and there's one chair. Good. I'm going to go grab it because, hey, I'm the pastor here, and, and I, I'm going to find myself a chair to sit in. I, 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 I don't know who these people are, but I'm going to go sit by. And I went and sat down and, and just, just sat down at the table, and, and I sat down. They were just kind of looked at me, and then I realized at that point, I'm sitting with the mayor and the, all the city council. And Mayor said, well, how are you doing, Tim? I said it like that, and I, I said, well, I'm, I'm doing good. He said, Tim, let me just tell you something. I mean, he just, this guy was like cut to the chase. I mean, he was really, he was very abrasive, actually. But he said, he said Tim, I just want to tell you something. I'm an atheist, and I'm going, oh, great. Yeah, th- this, is not, this is not where I wanted to go with this thing. He goes, I'm an atheist, and I don't want you to try to convert me. Can I just say that to you? I said, sure, sure, sure. Okay, you can say that. And I'm just thinking, God, what am I doing here? Get me out of this. You make, have somebody come tap me on the shoulder and get me out of here. I, and really, I was thinking that. He said, but, but I watch your, your church on television, and I said, I need your help. I said, okay, the atheist guy who doesn't want me to convert is watching our church on TV, and now he wants my help. I can't figure this one out. And so I said, I said okay, what do you want? He said, well, <laughs> then he said, well, since 9-11, all this stuff's come up, and, and we now ha- we have these Muslims in town, and they're actually trying to demand that they come and pray Muslim prayers in our city council prayer meetings. And our city has had a proud reputation. He said this, a proud reputation. We have never had prayer in city council meetings in 150 years. But the atheist mayor is going to break that. And I'm just sitting there going... Okay, still, I would like somebody to tap my shoulder and get me out of this, because this is getting weirder as the minutes go by. And he starts breaking it down and explains it to me, and he said, I want you to pray for city council prayer meeting coming up the next one, and I want you to organize it so we have Christian pastors and Christian businessmen and Christian businesswomen praying over our city council meetings. At every, and he goes, we're going to break a tradition. I said, yes, sir. I showed up there at the very end, at the very beginning of the city council. The mayor stood up. He says, we're going to do something different today. We're going to break a tradition of 150 years. Just like that. He said, Pastor Tim Woody, I want you to come up and lead us in an invocation. I went up there and prayed. And you could have heard a pin drop in the place. I went and did it, and I sat down. And I prayed. And at the very end of this, this lady leans over to me. She said, just to let you know, preacher, we don't do things like that here. And I said, well, I think we do now. <laughs> what God did was amazing. Yeah. Fort Worth, 2012, sitting at a little table right back here. Uh, we just had a little round table sitting here with, with Mayor Price and, and uh, her security guy and, and uh, just sat back here and I prayed and she said, Tim, I like the way you pray. I want you to do invocations for city council. Have you ever done that before? I went, yeah, 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 I've, I've done that. She goes, uh, also, I'm, and then she starts talking, she goes, I want you to serve on our faith leaders cabinet. It's something I'm just starting up here. And Okay, and then she said, and I want you to pray for me. Can I give you a specific prayer request for me that I just, when I need prayer? And I'm like, okay, uh, like, why do you want this? She goes, it's just because I, I like the, how you pray. And I'm like, wow, okay. And then 
A year and a half later, she asked me to lead the Compassionate Fort Worth Initiative. And I'm telling you guys, with all of this, I've never felt qualified. Here's another deal. I never had an initial passion for it. Never. But I was called. God anointed me to do what God wants to do through me. I get to do it. This is good. The other day, went to a party that was at one of those um, skydiving places. And I began to understand this whole thing because I didn't want to go in there because I was watching these people like floating and I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I, I, like, I just don't, that's, I don't want to do that. But I, I got in there and did it and I was a tough guy and it was so cool because that, that wind, the wind tunnel they put you in pushes on you and you just open yourself up and all of a sudden the wind picks you up. And holds you just like you're in your are like skydiving it's just incredible because it's not me that can do that it's the wind that does it and really wind is what the holy spirit is i can't do this on my own but there's something underneath me that's making it happen and i'm just here for the party see you guys have a calling too and you're just here for the party you have an anointing you may not feel you're good enough, but God can do this through you, and God will stir up passions after he anoints you and calls you, which then brings up the, the topic of passions. And I think it's important that we talk about this because so often I hear people pursuing passions but not really pursuing purpose or calling or putting passion in the place of purpose and calling. So I just want to call some attention to this because I believe that can be dangerous. Recently I went to Wikipedia, and I typed in the words, heat of the moment. Because I remember this 80s song. I just, I just typed it in. I was like, who's saying that? But it took me. It re yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, it, was, it was one of those moments. But, but uh, it redirected me to their page called Passion. It said, you have been redirected to Passion, Heat of the Moment. I went, whoa. So I didn't even read. The, I just stopped right there. I, 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 don't even, I didn't even pursue the whole the looking for the song. I don't even know what happened there. But I just thought, whoa. This revelation came to me. The heat of the moment is like passion. Is pursuing or chasing passion potentially dangerous? If, if we're pursuing passion, are we caving into the heat of the moment? I actually believe that it is. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Stop chasing those flaming tumbleweeds. <laughs> See, chasing your passion is fleeting Passion is like a flaming tumbleweed. It is the heat of the moment. Now, some of you, the truth is, I really didn't even know there was such a thing as flaming tumbleweeds. I know about tumbleweeds because I lived in West Texas. I lived in southeast New Mexico, and I've seen plenty of tumbleweeds, but I've never seen a, a flaming tumbleweed, but they do exist. A couple of weeks ago, I was looking at my little weather app, and it notified me, and this notifier popped up, and I did a screenshot. I just couldn't believe it. It said, strong to fear, strong, blah, 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 blah. Then all of a sudden, it says, flaming tumbleweeds, too. And so, and I stopped. I laughed. Screenshot this. I put it on Facebook and everything. And I even love the way they put flaming tumbleweeds in capital, you know, F and the T, as if it's like a band or something. The, the, the flaming tumbleweeds. Woohoo! You know, just, and I just, I thought, that's just weird. That, 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 that's weird. Um, and, and so I looked it up online, and sure enough, man, I saw pictures of flaming tumbleweeds, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Fire is dangerous. 
Fire can also be comforting, and, and on the other hand, really, fire is essential. But we don't chase fire. We create and we channel fire. See, we don't chase our passion. We create and we channel that passion. Some of you, <laughs> you've been chasing some flaming tumbleweeds, and, and you've been getting burned. You're out on another adventure to chase another one because it looks so pretty out there in the distance but you get out there and you either burn yourself or it's all burned up or you find yourself in the middle of another fire i, I want i want to encourage you to stop chasing your passion stop pursuing the heat of the moment instead create and stir up and channel passion in the context of god's given purpose and calling in your life Several years ago, I served as a presbyter. Isn't that a cool term? I don't really know what that means. I, I do know what it means in the, from, this, from the Greek language, but I, yeah, I was like, a presbyter? That sounds like very official. You call me presbyter, Tim? You know. And people would call me that. They'd go, hello, brother presbyter. I'm like, that's kind of a weird name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was a presbyter for the fellowship I'm a part of. And part of my duties was I had to screen ministerial candidates for their credentials. And one of the required questions I had to ask them was this, how do you know you are called? Now, see, the reason you ask that is calling is critical to being a pastor. It, it, it really is. And, and some people would say, well, I'm, I'm just really passionate about pastoring a big church. Well, the truth is, most people won't. And, and, but they couldn't really explain why they were called. And I would very nicely say something to the effect of, well, just having a passion to be a pastor won't cut it because you have to be called first. And if you're not called, what will happen if you pursue the passion, you're going to hurt a lot of people and you're going to damage your family and your home and your own marriage. Don't do this. And there were some people that I helped turn down for ministerial credentials because they couldn't even decide whether they were called or not, though they sure were passionate about it. <laughs> later on, one actually contacted me a few years later and said, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for saving me. You see, having a passion for something doesn't necessarily mean you're called for it. I have a passion for coffee. I have a passion for, uh, for reading news stories. I, I do. I have a passion for a clean car. I have a passion for blackberries and raspberries and but I don't build my life around those passions. Instead, what I do is I build those passions into my life, and I sneak my raspberries, and I hoard them, and I eat them when nobody's looking, and it's fun. See, see, God, God will give you passion that will be like fuel to your calling, but your passion probably is not your calling. I like the way Solomon said it. Hey, let's just look at him. Solomon said it this way. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind that <laughs> i thought that's kind of like chasing a flaming tumbleweed hey do you think joseph in egypt when he was second in charge the prime minister of egypt that he was passionate about managing food supplies i doubt it because i see no evidence of that in the scriptures but he did what he was called to do and he did what he was anointed to do he did what he got to do for god and he stirred up a passion for it in his own heart and as a result of that, he rescued a nation, including his own family. Solomon says it well. He says, those who work their land, your land, do what's in front of you. Do what you're called to do. Do what you're, you're anointed to do. Those who work their land will have an abundant food. But those who chase fantasies will have their fill of what? 
poverty. He actually speaks of it in a financial term. And I, I think that's, that's terrible, but I think even worse than financial poverty is, is poverty in, in your heart because you've never really locked into what God has for you. Also, I mean, there are some people who give their lives to Jesus and they feel like, well, I've got to change everything that I'm doing. I have to get a new job. I have to go to... A lot of people say, I, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. Now I need to come and work at the church. And they're like, no, no, you really don't because that's faulty. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he, he makes it very clear about this. He says, he said that, that your relationships, your marriage, your occupation, even your interests and the things that you do should not necessarily change unless they're explicitly evil. He says it really three different times, basically this way. He says each person as responsible to God, take a look at that next scripture, bump it down. Each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called or assigned them. In other words, you are who you are. Be content with who you are, yet at the same time, maximize who you are and make your life count. Now, now to understand this, I just have to say this. My mission my, 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 actually, my, my calling is mission-oriented. So that's really the way it works. It's, it's, it's an activity. It's, it's, like a, it's like a verb. It's what, what you do. The Bible says that it's really what God wants to do through us. But it's not driven by a passion to do something. Also, my calling is about obedience to God. It's not about doing it for God, but just letting God do it through you. That's what obedience is. Obedience is not forcing yourself to do something. It's you just get to let the wind lift you and carry you. That's pretty awesome. And today, my passion as I stand here on a Sunday is to give. It's to serve. It's even as Preston prayed this morning, it's to, to pour out everything that's inside of me in obedience to God, and I'll go home empty, and that's great, because I'm called to it. And, and I'm not just called, but I'm passionate to be poured out today, tonight at City Life Night. Many of you are going to be pouring out right alongside of me, and the reason you will is because you're, you're called to it. It's okay. You're anointed for it. God has called you and anointed you, yet at the same time, what He's doing in you, in that calling and in that anointing, it may not be perfected yet, but God always finishes what He starts. Look at this, Paul said this, I love it. He said, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's him who does it through us. That's how it works. So that's what I'm saying, guys. Hey, just step out and be bold. Operate in your calling. Operate in that special thing that God wants to do through you and let go of the stuff that's been holding you back. I know some of you, you've been hurt. You've been mistreated, you've been abused, you've been put down, but I'm here to say let it go because your calling is too important. Stop whining about what happened to you. Focus on what is developing through you. And that's your calling, what God wants to do through you. And in those areas, you're going to find extra grace and extra anointing. Because what God does is He comes in and He fills in the gaps. So what happened to you is actually your brokenness. So, 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 we, so we just make the choice. I'm going to own my brokenness. But my brokenness is not my identity. It doesn't own me. I know who I am. You see? It's just part of you. 
It's actually the part of you that has the greater need for the anointing of God, the grace and the power and the strength of, of, of God. So, so therefore, your weaknesses become your strengths and often your anointings and your callings come through your weaknesses. When you're weak, you're strong because of Jesus. God calls, He anoints, and He enables me to do what I do. And as a result, I am unique. There is no one else like me. But my uniqueness isn't who I am. It just enables me to do what I do. Son of the King, doing things just a little different, or maybe a lot different than the way you do it. But really, your anointing and your calling is often found in your own brokenness that is being filled and repaired by the Spirit of God. That's part of what tonight is about, guys. See, through the anointing of God in our lives, you then are able to deliver people from spiritual bondage. You're able to destroy the curse of sin in people's lives and tell people what Jesus did for them. And you can walk in authority and dominion, not pride and arrogance. But what you do is that you're able to go to the weak, the sick, and the despondent, People who don't have hope and bring them to Jesus, bring Jesus to them. Everybody has needs. You need health if you're sick, freedom from loneliness, deliverance from alcohol or chemical dependency, a lifting out of depression, maybe relief from the pain of a business failure. And there is pain in this world, but the Bible does tell us in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, that the world is looking and waiting for the sons of God. That's who we are. The world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. In other words, to reveal themselves. So that the world, people in the world, will be broken free from their own frustration. That's why God gives us callings. That's why he gives us anointings. That's why. And tonight, we're going to pray for new and greater anointing on your life. And I'm going to be praying over you personally. And I want to believe, God, that your calling is going to burst forth onto the scene. And I want you to begin then looking around at all the people that are suffering and how many people are frustrated because you hold the key to their freedom through your calling and your anointing. You See, you're not just a doctor. You're not a nurse. You're not just a flight attendant or a school teacher or a parent or, or a student or a business owner. No! You are a person who has an anointing and a calling to do God's work through that and through your local church. It's just simply what God wants to do through you and you just got to open up. And let the wind lift you. Please, no movement at this time. Right now is the most important part of today. I want you to focus internally. Just close your eyes. God, I pray right now for a revelation of what I just shared, a revelation of the power of calling and anointing, that this will be a church that will aggressively pursue more of you so that you can work through us and use us in ways we can't even imagine and certainly could never do on our own. I thank you for it, Jesus. With your eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus or you've drifted from your relationship with God and you need to make things right with Jesus today. And You know you want the Jesus that I'm talking about. You know you even want what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the door to this. 
And if you're ready to receive your God-given purpose and move into that and surrender your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. So at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand so I can connect my faith with your faith. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I want to be included in this closing prayer, and I want to surrender my life completely to Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Lift your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Here's what I'm going to put your hands down. I want everyone to please stand. Please, everyone stand. I want us to pray these words with me. Come on, guys. This is good. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, come on, say it. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive of my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the calling that you have for me. I thank you, Jesus, for new hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.